All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 13 um, says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And um, we know the love of God the Father because God loved us so much that while we were still sinners, he sent his only begotten son to die for us. We know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ because John 1.14 says he came full of grace and truth. Also, we are saved by grace through faith. So it's the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that we are missing somewhat in our lives. So if you're an average Christian, normal Christian, you pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus because that's what we've all been taught to do. The problem with that is that Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he sent another comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be with us here. And so God isn't up there. Your prayers don't have to bombard heaven. They don't have to go as far as the ceiling because God lives in you and he's on you and around you in the Holy Spirit. So we need to learn how to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Most times we don't even talk to him. We don't even acknowledge he exists. Fellowship has three meanings in the scripture. Social interaction, which means sit down and talk. More importantly, it probably means sit down and listen. If you're gonna do what Bruce said earlier about praying what God says, you need to be listening. It also means partnering with him. And it also means participating in what he is doing. So, example, when you go out and you're on an airplane or you're in a coffee shop and you want to talk to somebody about the gospel of the kingdom because it's the only, Jesus is the only way to get to heaven, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with that person. And all you're doing is partnering with the Holy Spirit and participating in what he's doing. Amen? So, we're not alone. The Holy Spirit isn't the power of God. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he has a personality. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a specific job that he does, and that's to draw people to the foot of the cross so that they will get saved. Okay. So it's the Holy Spirit I want to talk about because we really do need to work with him. So in John chapter 14, it talks about the stages, two out of three of the Holy Spirit. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. That's the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. And if it were, it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. The disciples, when he's, Jesus is saying this to them, the disciples are not saved because Jesus hasn't died. So there's no bloodshed, so there's no forgiveness, so there's no salvation. And so he's saying to them, that right now the Holy Spirit lives with you, and later when you get born again, he will live in you. Okay, so the disciples get born again. Sorry, I'm one ahead of myself. So the disciples um, are not saved, and the way you get saved is the Holy Spirit has a job. 
And the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world, not the Christian, convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. The world's sin in that it's refusing to believe in Jesus. Righteousness is available because God is Jesus going to the Father and you will see me no more. So the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, their sin, his righteousness, and the coming judgment, which means you either go to heaven or hell. Okay, so that's the Holy Spirit's job. That's his plan, his purpose on the earth. And so when you're not saved, that's the only thing that the Holy Spirit is working on in your life. When you become born again, he comes to live in you. And you'll find that in John chapter 20, verse 22. Jesus now raised from the dead. He's already shed his blood. They can be forgiven now. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And that means the Holy Spirit is now in them. So with them, in them. Okay. Again, I'm repeating what we just did in the first verse. You know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So now we have both stages with you because you're not saved, breathing on them now in you because you are saved. And because you're saved, you can recognize his voice. That's a real key. And the voice of Jesus and the voice of the Father and the voice of the Holy Spirit are different. And the Holy Spirit lives in you, and that's the voice you're supposed to be listening to. Okay, so John chapter 10 says the sheep recognize his voice. Problem with that is, and I've taught you this before, there are numerous voices you listen to. Your generation has a voice, your family has a voice, your friends have a voice, your religious background, your traditional background has a voice. Your music has a voice. Your emotions speak very loudly. Your opinions speak very loudly. And so in the midst of all of that, Jesus says, you will recognize my voice. So you can hear it, you can know it, and then you have to follow it. And that means listening to it. So let me go back again. So the sheep will recognize that God is speaking you will follow him because you know which voice is his inside of you. These are all from John chapter 10. And you will continue to hear him if you obey him. You know, in other words, do what you hear him say. So the Holy Spirit is with a person who's not saved. He was with you when you were born. And he's in you once you are saved. Then Jesus says to his born-again disciples... As my father, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. You know it, another version, the Holy Spirit will come upon you with power. So he's with a person who's not saved. He's in a person who is saved. He's on those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water, and in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 1.5. That's the last few comments Jesus is making to his disciples. When you're baptized in water, as John was doing, you're totally saturated with water. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are totally saturated with the Holy Spirit, and he brings the power. On the outside, the power is there now. So he was with you, in you, on you. 
Pretty simple, I know. Uh, Sunday School 101. Okay, in Acts 1.8, Jesus goes on to tell you the purpose of the power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. So the power isn't just for you to sit and play with. It isn't for you to just pray in tongues and have your private prayer language with talk to God. The purpose of the power is so that you and I can be witnesses to the people who the Holy Spirit is with, but they don't know Jesus yet. So when you go to witness to somebody, to talk to somebody, even if it's just briefly to share some, some way the love of God, the Holy Spirit is with them. He's in you and on you. And when you go and partner with the Holy Spirit, when you participate in what he's already doing, which is trying to draw them to the foot of the cross, sometimes we think we're all by ourselves. Sometimes we think it's up to us to get people saved. We don't convict people. All we do is share the good news. And the opportunities are there constantly because we have the power to be a witness. So we have been totally empowered and enabled. Okay, That happened, of course, and you know this, on the first day of the church when the church was empowered and it was birthed into the world on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were sitting. I think God got their attention. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. We focused on the gift of tongues. That's what Pentecostal movement does. That's what most spirit-filled churches do. That's not supposed to be the focus. Your gift of private prayer language is not one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. It's listed in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says, I can pray with my mind. I can pray with my spirit. I can sing with my mind. I can sing with my spirit. But it's not one of the nine witnessing gifts that come when we are empowered or baptized in the Holy Spirit. The gifts are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, there are varieties of gifts, the same spirit. There are varieties of service or ministry, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers. That's a key word. All of them and everybody. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of, and that's public tongues, and to the another, the interpretation of those public tongues. All these are, keyword, empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Those are the nine gifts of the Spirit. They're broken down, if you don't remember. There's power gifts, gifts of healing, working of miracles, and gifts of, and special faith. There's the revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. God reveals things. And there's the gifts that inspire people, prophecy, 
public tongues and interpretation of tongues. Those gifts are given to us so we can witness. The two that don't work in the world are speaking in public tongues and interpreting. They work in the church. If a non-believer were here, 1 Corinthians 14 says they work here, but they don't work in the world. Okay? But the other gifts are the ones you use to be a witness to those who are yet to be born again, so you get their attention. Does that make sense? That's all not that's not new. Jesus said in John 14, truly, truly, whenever he says that, um, Istana, Istana, if you're speaking Russian, um, it means, listen up, I'm not lying. I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You will get baptized in the power. You will be enabled and empowered to be my witness. So what was it that Jesus did? We prayed. You pray. He did it better. He traveled. He taught. He fellowshiped. But he cast out demons. He healed the sick. The lame walked. The blind saw. The deaf heard. The dumb spoke. And he raised the dead, like Sergei. And he's telling us that we can do those things. Because he's enabling us and he's empowering us because we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It literally, the wrong focus if all you're doing is praying in tongues. It's the wrong focus. How did Jesus do his ministry? He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. He didn't do it because he was God. Because it says, although he was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, he emptied himself. He left his godness in heaven, taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself, but becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So he did his ministry the same way he expects you to do it. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan. When he came up out of the water, immediately saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's Mark chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. How did he do his ministry? He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Before this, he, had no, he was 30 years old. No miracles, no teaching, nothing. We only know what he did at the age of 12, and that was asking the Pharisees in the temple some questions. He began his ministry after the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's why Luke 4 says, I have been anointed with the Spirit of God. That's why Acts 10.38 says, you know how God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then he went about doing good. So Jesus used the gifts. Here they are. He used a word of knowledge with the woman at the well. Go and get your husband. I don't have one. You speak the truth. You've had five. The guy you're shacked up with, you're not married to. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, sorry. That's past and present. You had five, the one you've got now isn't. 
Word of wisdom spoke to Peter after Jesus rose from the dead, told Peter how he was going to die. The discerning of spirits, he knew the thoughts and the intentions of people, of their hearts. That's the discerning of spirits. He believed everything the Father spoke. That's the gift of faith, and you have that. We all have some faith. Gifts of healings healed everywhere he went. That's Mark 1. Working of miracles, he fed 5,000 with one small lunch. That's a good miracle. We could use that today in my house. Prophecy prophesied over Jerusalem about its destruction. We have no record of him speaking in public tongues or interpreting public tongues. I didn't say he didn't do it. We just have no written record. So when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, these same nine gifts are in you. Period. They need to be released. And if we release them, then we will be naturally supernatural. And that's what's missing. The church today, at least the ones I work in, we are spooky. We are scary. We are super spiritual. When I left the first church in the afternoon, the one that I only did one service in because the wife of the pastor was in my seminar, um, about 25 women ran up to me while I was getting my coat on at the coat rack because they wanted to touch me so they could have my anointing. The church has become spooky, scary, and super spiritual and is not meant to be. We are meant to be supernatural, but in a very natural way. This is what we're all about. I don't believe you can be a Christian without the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Didn't say anything about going to heaven. I don't think you can be a Christian today in the world and do what Jesus commanded us to do, which is to do what he did, unless we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and release the gifts that are put inside of you when you were baptized. And it isn't just praying in tongues. That's been the emphasis for too long, and it's not a witness to anybody out there. Only in here, when they come here, would they, that be a witness? So, in many ways, we need to break the apathy that we have. It's not like we need to receive something more. We got all there is. All the gifts are inside. Maybe we need to break a religious spirit that is still impacting our lives. Maybe we take ourselves too seriously and we're concerned about what people will think about us when we start doing something with the gifts. Maybe we need to get over ourselves. Maybe we need to think less about what other people are thinking of us and think more about what the Heavenly Father is thinking of us. Maybe we just need to take some risks and try moving in the Spirit. You don't learn them by me teaching you. You learn them by doing them. And so again, one of my favorite verses... It's in Mark 16. It's the last verse in the Gospel of Mark. They went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them, confirming the message by accompanying signs. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and make disciples, cast out demons, heal the sick. You know the message. And then he disappears. Listen, these guys, the 11 of them, were not the sharpest tool in the shed. For three years, they've been hearing a message. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, John the Baptist. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus. Everything Jesus taught was about the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And as he ascends into heaven in Acts 1, 8 and onwards, they ask him, 
Are now you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They missed the whole point. Three years of talking about the kingdom of God, and they think he's talking about the kingdom of Israel. They're not the sharpest tools in the shed. I don't think they knew how to go into all the world and win it. Except that they did one thing that we failed to do. They obeyed him. They stood up and stepped out. And every time they did, God showed up and showed off. And the reason we don't see the miracle signs and wonders is we're not standing up and stepping out. In faith, believing God can do it. Again, faith. Now faith is some substance of things hoped for. I hope God gives me a word when I go up to talk to this person. Okay? And I think that they have a message for us. And that is that we need to get butt in gear and begin to step out in faith. And if we do, then the Holy Spirit will show up and will demonstrate that Jesus is alive. That's what we were left here to do, to be witnesses. So you may think, well, what happens if nothing happens? What happens if something does? And believe it or not, it will. Okay. Now, the reason I said all of that is simply because I've been thinking about it all week. One, because I've just spent three weeks moving in the gifts and teaching people to move in the gifts. And this is the message that's all over the world. Everywhere I go, they want to know about the gifts and the baptism and the Holy Spirit and... Most of them can speak in tongues, and that's about all they do. It's very frustrating. Young people are looking for more than that. The second reason I talked to them, this is simply because today is my 42nd anniversary of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I just think most of us need to get going with what we already have. Even me. I don't do enough of it. So if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, there are nine gifts inside of you. The Holy Spirit was with you. He came in you. He's upon you. You have been empowered. You have been enabled. You can hear the voice of God. You can do what Jesus did. All you have to do is step out in faith and believe it and watch what happens. If nothing happens the first time, try it a second time. It just takes a little while to get the flow going. And you'll see it happening. Okay? You can prophesy over someone and 10 years later meet them and everything you've said comes to pass. Eight years later, two pastors I worked with are a result of something I said 10 years and eight years ago. That's prophetic word. We can do this. Amen? Amen.